Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to The Dirt Show. Today I want to talk about the heritage and the legacy of the United States Constitution and how it has endured longer than any constitution in the history of the world. When I talk about the Constitution, I mean to include also the Bill of Rights, in fact. <laughs> I'm wearing my Bill of Rights tie. Um, I also included in it the 14th Amendment and many of the other amendments, some of which are technical, many of the others of which convey rights, the right of the women to vote, the right of young people to vote, the right of people to vote without regard to uh, race uh, or, or religion. So it's an incredible innovation that occurred on the shores of the United States in the last uh, part of the 18th century. And today it's uh, being devalued, it's being manipulated, it's being exploited, and it's being weaponized, all in the interest of partisan uh, and identity politics. Today the Constitution for many people means what they want it to mean. There are leading constitutional uh, experts, they call themselves experts, they're advocates, uh, who want to interpret the Constitution to promote their own personal values, political values, ideological values, racial values, uh, you name it. Uh, but they don't see the Constitution as a, an objective or neutral guardian of liberty for all. It's due process for me, but not for thee, free speech for me, but not for thee, freedom of religion for me, but not for thee. Um, we've seen advocates, both on the left and on the right, particularly hard left and hard right throughout history, that have tried to manipulate the Constitution. But I've never seen it quite as bad as I see it today, particularly from the woke hard left, people who you would expect more from. I grew up during McCarthyism, when it was the extreme right that was trying to abolish the First Amendment and due process and uh, use the mechanisms of the Constitution to promote their ideology. But in the last uh, 10 years or so, perhaps even a little bit more, it's been the woke hard left that has tried to weaponize uh, the Constitution. And so today I want to do what I've done in the past a couple of times, go back to my, my wall, the wall in my house uh, that contains uh, the artifacts of um, American constitutional history and, and talk about them because these artifacts inspire me every day um, to uh, preserve and defend the Constitution without regard to political or ideological benefit. So let's start obviously at the beginning. Who You've seen my show, you've seen this before. This is the uh, Declaration of Independence. And it's an original copy um, confirmed by Congress early in our history and done by an engraver who engraved it off the original. You can see the, the great uh, signature of John Hancock, but you know, also Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin, etc. Benjamin Franklin, of course, who is one of the 
uh, signatories of the Constitution, one of the great American founding fathers, and this is a letter. It's an, actually an 80-page letter. I have the rest of the letter in a box, but this is the, the last page, signed by Benjamin Franklin, one of the smartest people in colonial America, who was extremely well-respected by the French and by the English. Um, he was an inventor, he was a writer, and a great, great statesman. Right on top of him is Samuel Adams. No, he's not a beer. He's actually one of our founding fathers. He was John Adams' cousin, uh, somewhat more revolutionary than Sam Adams. He didn't love the fact that his cousin John Adams defended the um, people accused of the Boston uh, massacre. And uh, so uh, Sam Adams is one of the most important of our, uh, our heroes. Um, he didn't have very much to do with uh, the Constitution itself, but he played a very important role in fomenting um, the, the, the revolution that led to our Constitution. This is uh, the first copy in the Gazette of the United States of a famous letter written by George Washington to the Jewish community of Newport, Rhode Island, uh, in which he makes the famous statement, the citizen of the United States of America have a right to applaud themselves for having given mankind examples of an enlarged and liberal policy, a policy worthy of imitation. Uh, all possess alike liberty of conscience and immunities of citizenship. And it, it is now no more that toleration is spoken of as if it was by the indulgence of one class of people that another enjoyed the exercise of their inherent natural rights. For happily, the government of the United States, which gives to bigotry no sanction, to persecution no assistance, requires only that they who live under its protection should demean themselves as good citizens in giving it on all occasions their effectual support. The importance of this letter cannot be overstated. It's the first time in the history of the world that the Jewish people were guaranteed equal status in any country in the world since they lived in Judea and Samaria uh, at the time of Jesus. Uh, now, the, the words in this letter are marvelous, and people attribute them to George Washington, and he deserves a lot of credit for using them, but they actually were borrowed from the letter written to George Washington by Moses Satius, who was the rabbi of the congregation, and he wrote to them that a government to which bigotry gives no sanction, to persecution no assistance, but generally affords all liberty of conscience, immunities, etc. So it was the rabbi who wrote the words, George Washington who accepted the words and became the first president of any country, the first leader of any country to give equal rights to Jews. The British tried it 50 years earlier, but Parliament in Britain overruled it completely and said no, Jews couldn't serve in the Parliament or even uh, uh, be... Uh, uh, office holders of, of any kind unless they gave up their religion. So this is a very important letter. This next letter is signed by George Washington, but it's in the hand of his secretary. You probably never heard of him. Uh, his secretary was an obscure 22-year-old when he wrote this letter. His name was, uh, yeah, Alexander Hamilton. So there's a picture of Alexander Hamilton meeting George Washington. And this letter is written in the hand of Alexander Hamilton, and it talks about how Washington insists that all his troops 
be inoculated against smallpox because he had said that the war against Britain will not be lost to the British soldiers, but it could be lost if smallpox spread throughout the United States. So the president required uh, inoculation of all of his soldiers. Let's move then to Thomas Jefferson. This is a great letter in the hand of Thomas Jefferson, written on the eve of the 25th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, written, of course, by Thomas Jefferson, in which he talks about freedom of speech, in which he talks about how we have no fear of one person doing speech that's bad as long as other people can correct that. It sets out the marketplace of ideas uh, signed twice by, by Thomas Jefferson. Um, then this is John Hancock's John Hancock. Uh, when he was the governor of Massachusetts, he signed his name, John Hancock. This is a pardon, this is years later, given by uh, Abraham Lincoln to people who had uh, fought for the Confederacy, but it was very important that these particular people be, be, be pardoned. Going back for a minute to the earlier time in our history, this is a letter by John Adams, uh, a lengthy letter by John Adams, in which he wonders how Hamilton could have been so stupid as to become involved in an affair with Mrs. Reynolds, which then was used uh, to uh, extort money from him. He had to pay $1,100, which was a fortune in those days, and then, of course, as soon as he paid the money, they extorted him for more. And he ultimately had to write the pamphlet, the famous pamphlet, which I have a copy of, um, in which he admits the affair, but denies that he had any, um, uh, that he paid money uh, out of treasury funds, that he paid money, in fact, out of his own funds, more specifically, mostly his wife's funds. His wife didn't know about the affair, so that does not uh, stand very well. And from his point of, of view. Um, this is another Hamilton letter. This is a letter in the hand of Alexander Hamilton, uh, which was essentially a legal brief. Um, during the period of time between the time that he served in office, um, various offices, um, Secretary of the Treasury, most famous of which, um, he was in private practice and he defended mostly merchants in New York he was a strong believer in, in the mercantile uh, view of America. He thought America should be a trading partner to the world. Jefferson thought America should be an agrarian country uh, that uh, uh, thrived on cotton growing and plantations. Hamilton had a completely different view. And so he represented a lot of the merchants in New York. Interestingly enough, many of his clients were Jewish. There, were that, there weren't that many Jews in the United States, but uh, Jews tended to have been merchants because many of them spoke multiple languages. They had come from uh, Holland and countries in Northern Europe. And so they tended to be merchants. And, and Hamilton uh, defended many of the merchants, Jewish merchants, even at a time when there was some anti-Semitism. We don't know whether Hamilton played a role in the Washington letter um, supporting the Jewish community, but we know that both Washington and Hamilton were philo-Semitic. Uh, had very high high regard for Jews, not a view that was shared by every one of the founding fathers. There are rumors of ben, Benjamin Franklin's questionable attitude toward toward Jews, although the documentation isn't uh, isn't uh, clear. Abraham Lincoln also had very very positive attitudes 
toward, uh, toward the Jewish people, even though there were very few of them in the United States. And speaking of the Jewish people, this is the original paper that uh, Jacques in which Emile Zola uh, wrote in defense of Alfred Dreyfus, the Jewish um, um, French soldier who was accused falsely of spying and went to Devil's Island and ultimately was vindicated and was able to completely prove uh, his uh, innocence. And, and so what we have here on this wall, just on one wall, <clears throat> is a mini history of the best um, uh, part of American history. Um, uh, and and uh, it certainly gives me an appreciation every day as I walk into my uh, apartment uh, in New York, it gives me a great appreciation of our history and of our heritage. And it makes me even angrier at those who would distort and destroy our history and would um, uh, limit the role of our Constitution and the Bill of Rights to helping them in their partisan efforts today without thinking of the broad, broad, broad implications of what our Constitution means to all Americans and how it was intended, again, as Washington said uh, in his uh, letter to the Jewish people, to give rights to all people, to make sure that all Americans were equal, not at the toleration of others, but because they have inherent human rights to equality. And that's what I think many Americans today would like to see this country move toward. So let's turn to some letters. Um, some of them are relevant to today's show. Some are relevant to past shows. Um, I wish you would tell everyone why they put freedom of speech in the Constitution. And that's interesting. You know, Hamilton was not in favor initially of a Bill of Rights. He said there's no reason we need a Bill of Rights because the Constitution didn't give Congress the power to deny free speech. But Madison's view prevailed, and we wrote the First Amendment, which grants uh, what looks like an absolute right of free speech, but it's been subject to amendment. And Jefferson, in this letter that I showed you a minute ago, um, gives the rationale for freedom of speech, the marketplace of ideas, the fact that we're just not sure that any particular opinion um, can withstand a criticism. And therefore, we expose every opinion to the marketplace of ideas, as the Justice of the Supreme Court said. Under the Constitution, there's no such thing as a wrong opinion. There are wrong facts, but there's no such thing as a wrong opinion. Okay. Every time I watch your show, it reinforces my long-term disappointment that you were never appointed to the Supreme Court. I have to tell you, I have some regrets in my life. Meeting Jeffrey Epstein is probably pretty high uh, among them, but uh, I never have regretted not being on the Supreme Court. I had a chance to be not on the Supreme Court. I had a chance to be a federal judge, and I declined that opportunity. And I'm told, though I don't know for sure, that Jimmy Carter had me on his list of potential Supreme Court appointments. If I had been appointed to the Supreme Court, I would have accepted it if my mother were alive, because she would have been so thrilled to see me on the Supreme Court, but I would not have enjoyed it. I wasn't born to be an umpire or a referee. I was born to be a shooting guard. Uh, I was born to be a defender. I was born to be a player, and uh, I wouldn't have enjoyed being on the Supreme Court, though I think I would have done a decent job as a justice, but thank you for your uh, 
comments about it. You're a bulldog. Thanks for standing up to the Harvard staff for free speech. But no, I'm not a bulldog. Because a bulldog is Yale's symbol. And Yale is just as bad as Harvard is. So I'm not a bulldog. Uh, I am a neutral defender of the Constitution, both at Harvard and at Yale. Okay, just think. Henry Kissinger used to be a Harvard professor. And on one occasion, he invited William Buckley to speak in his class. I would have invited them. I'm going actually to help celebrate Henry Kissinger's 100th birthday. Uh, Henry Kissinger lives around the corner from me. We go to the same synagogue on Yom Kippur. And um, although I disagree with many of his actions, as I disagree with the actions of all uh, people who have been in government, I have tremendous admiration for this 100-year-old uh, man who has contributed uh, so much in so many areas of life. I would have been happy to invite him to my class. Uh, somebody said that, you know, when I said that um, I haven't been invited to speak at Harvard, uh, one of the letters, I would imagine Ben Shapiro would not be invited either. It's interesting. Ben Shapiro might. Because people on the right, conservatives, get to invite certain speakers. Radicals get to invite anybody they want. The people that don't get invited are people who don't have a constituency. I don't have a constituency because I'm a civil libertarian. I'm neither right wing nor left wing. I'm a libertarian. And so there's no group that is pushing hard to get me invited. And we'll see. Maybe I will get invited. Alan, you know that federal courts don't televise trials. What's happened to you? I mean, what a stupid statement. Of course, I know that federal courts don't televise trials, but they should. And there is no reason not to. The Supreme Court doesn't allow live transmission of its arguments, but it did in the case involving the overruling of Roe versus Wade. It made an exception. So nothing's happened to me. I know that federal courts today don't allow televising trials. I think they should. And I'm advocating that, and there's nothing wrong with advocating change of the law. There's nothing in the Bill of Rights of the Constitution that says you can't have television in the courtroom. So that's my show for today. The wall is here. I will visit it with you periodically as I add more things uh, to it. Um, I have things beyond just the framing of America, but that's what I use to inspire me more than anything else. And so I hope that looking at these original documents that bring us back in time, 250 years or so, uh, inspires you as much as it inspires me. See you tomorrow. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.